This Khatafi preview episode of the Managing Madrid podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, the global leaders in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels and is now available in USA, Canada, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, and the EU. We have an exclusive offer for our audience. Use code MANAGINGMADRID to get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Join the movement and the other 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Manscaped has also partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to spread awareness for men's health and early cancer detection. Manscaped recommends you check yourself once a month. If you do feel any lumps or swelling, give your doctor a call. In addition to checking yourself regularly, you want to make sure your sack is looking fresh and clean with the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Inside the Perfect Package, you'll find products and liquid formulations that have been developed to turn your bathroom into a salon for your balls. All liquid formulations use only the best ingredients. Some of these liquid tools include the Crop Preserver, which is an anti-chafing deodorant for your balls, the Crop Reviver, a spray-on ball toner and refresher, and the Perfect Package 3.0 also includes anti-chafing performance boxers that keep your package cool and feeling fresh. Get 20% off plus free shipping with code MANAGINGMADRID at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with code MANAGINGMADRID at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Also, a huge, huge thank you to everyone who came out for the Liverpool post-game show on Zoom. We broke another record in attendance, so we want to thank you all. I think we have about 60 new patrons in the past week or so, and so a huge welcome to you all. Thank you for joining. Big hugs, big family group hug, and uh, happy to announce we're going to do this again for Chelsea. Both legs uh, will we'll go live on Zoom. So all of that is over on patreon.com slash managingmadrid. Again, thank you for joining the Army. We love that you're a part of this. And some quick housekeeping other than that. Today's Getafe preview show is uh, a solo cast with Jose Perez. I was unable to join him just because the schedule for me is crazy right now. Doing a lot of podcasts, a lot of writing, a lot of projects and, and etc. So um, didn't line up today. But Jose has you covered everything you need to know about the Getafe game. Plus, post-game show. See you tomorrow night on this same free RSS feed. We're going to break down the Getafe game on Sunday night. So, yeah. Enjoy today, enjoy tomorrow, and we will see you, I guess, on the post-game show. And enjoy Jose's preview. Take care. Hello, buddy. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Karim Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Hello, Kian. Hello, everyone. This is Jose. This time, just on my own, I will be recording this uh, kind of short audio uh, where I try to explain what's going on with Hitafe, trying to preview a bit of the game, what are the matchups are going to look like. It's going to be kind of a tough game for Real Madrid simply because of all the accumulated exhaustion of this hell week that just happened due to all the absences that team has due to suspension and injuries. So anyways, let's dive right in. So the main thing for this Hita for the Hitafe story is that they went from being kind of a Europa League level team last season. They were fighting it out in the Europa League. They were eighth place in the league to now being in releg fighting for relegation, trying to avoid relegation. So they did, their results got 
noticeably worse. So the question there is, what happened? What are they doing worse? And it's a bit tough. Like, it's a bit tough to give you, uh, like, like, a single reason of why Hitafe are doing worse. It's a bit of everything. Uh, it has a lot of moving parts. A lot of different numbers and outputs are looking a bit worse than last season. So Hitafe, in a way, are kind of doing everything a bit worse. So if you look at their numbers, you've noticed, for example, that they've gotten about 10 to 15% worse at creating shots in their favor, at conceding shots against, and they've also, they're also pressing about 10% less. So last year, uh, Hetafe were probably, out of the big five leagues in Europe, they were one of the top three or five teams in Europe as far as pressing intensity and efficiency. Now they rank among the top 15 teams in Europe. So they are still a pretty decent pressing and defensive system, but the press has definitely gotten less intense, less effective than what it was uh, last year. And they definitely concede a bit more because of, because of all that, this is this is very likely a result of COVID ball of just the pandemic and uh, all of and compressing the calendar and how teams and players are just more tired and there has been an overall drop off in pressures in all of Europe and very physical very pressing teams like Hitafe are suffering the consequences even more acutely than other teams because their style of play depended so much on physicality and on pressing. You can see it other metrics like the passes allowed per defensive actions for Hetafe has increased a bit, which is bad. It means they are less intense defensively. Even their, def their defensive line is also a bit deeper now. Uh, and and the, the interesting thing is that uh, if I look at the numbers, it looks like they are about 10-15% less intense. But when you look at it on the pitch, when you're wa when you're watching the team, frankly, it feels like it's even worse than that. Like, it really feels like Hitafe lost a lot of that intensity that made them so dangerous. And I think the difference there is that sometimes it's not just the volume of the defensive actions is where those defensive actions happen that really makes a difference. So this is a map that I'm going to include when I write the article, uh, but Statsbomb had a very interesting collection of maps that show the defensive activity of La Liga teams. And what I notice about Hitafe is that Hitafe in pr the previous seasons, they would be a very high-pressing team. They would cover all of the opposition half with pressure. And what I've noticed from them this year is that they still cover the wings pretty well, but the center, the center area of the opposition half, like where the strikers are supposed to press, now looks a lot more empty. There's less defensive activity there. So Hitafe are still kind of good at preventing opponents from progressing on the wings, but they are uh, a lot worse now at defending the center. They are a lot more vulnerable through the center, and that is making it easier for opponents to go through the center of Hitafe's defense and progress. And uh, following the rest of Hitafe's 10 to 15 percent uh, uh, worsening, uh, also the the numbers of entries into the final third and into the box that Hitafe concede this season are also 10 to 15 percent 
worse. But again, when you look at it, 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 it looks even worse. And here's the next bit of Getafe, of Getafe getting worse. It's not just that they're pressing and defending a bit less. It's also that they are less efficient in the boxes. It, it feels like the center backs are now committing... Uh, just the defensive line in general is committing more mistakes... Uh, the strikers, uh, guys like Jaime Mata or Angel Rodriguez, are also not as efficient at scoring as they were in previous seasons. And, and Getafe in previous seasons, they kind of overperformed their expected goals. They were pretty efficient at scoring and taking advantage of their chances. This season, it is definitely not the case. Uh, Mata, uh, Jaime Mata, for example is shooting as frequently as he did in previous seasons, but now he's underperforming expected goals. Angel Rodriguez is shooting a bit less frequently. So, yeah, it just, like they are not doing as well as last year. They had uh, So, for this season, Jorge Molina, very veteran striker, left the team, and they got instead a younger striker, Enes Unal, who can be kind of useful in build-up tasks, but he's not exactly your classic, like killer in the box. He's not that kind of striker and probably not the kind of goal scorer that Bordalas really likes. Uh, now, what because of all this, because Hetafe had in like the first half of the season went pretty badly for Hetafe, um, over the winter transfer market, they try to look for an improvement and try to get different, more creative players. And that's the main thing that led to the recruitment of uh, of having Cubo on loan as well as Carles Aliña, so low knees from both Real Madrid and Barcelona. And the funny thing is that I look at the numbers and has Getafe improved in any way since those two came in during the winter transfer market in January? Not at all. No improvement. If I look at all their numbers, the points they are racking up per game, their offensive numbers, their defensive numbers, they are not better in any metric. They're not attacking better. They're not defending better. They're not keeping the ball more. They are. Their passing accuracy hasn't improved. They are not getting into the final third more frequently. So all in all, uh, up to now, the experiment of... Uh, of, of having Alinha and Cubo has kind of failed. Or in other words, Bordalas uh, decided not to change the team and not to change the style of play and not to adapt to Cubo and Alinha. So even though they had these two more creative players, Bordalas has not changed his style at all. And that's reflected in kind of the evolution that the team took over the last three months. Like when Cubo and Alinha arrived... Uh, Bordalas changed from his typical 4-4-2. He changed into a kind of 4-2-3-1 where Alenia was in the center and Kuvo was to, uh, uh, on the right. But then he had a game at the end of February where Athletic won 5-1. Like, it was a very bad defeat. And Bordalas afterwards didn't want to do that 4-2-3-1 anymore. So he did some changes. And throughout February, he returned to the usual 4-4-2 and dropped Alenia and Kuvo. Uh, frequently during this month. Then in March, we saw Alenia kind of returning to the lineup. Now, instead of playing center, he was playing more on the right side. Bordalas was still playing in a 4-4-2 and mostly dropping Kuvo from the lineup. Uh, all in all, Alenia has kind of adapted. Now he's starting. He's a frequent starter in the team now. Uh, at this point, I'd say he's... 
He's gotten used to being in a Bordalas team and, st and he's still contributing well. He has one goal and two assists by now. It helps that he's taking the set pieces uh, for the team too. That helps, that helps his numbers. But he's also become like a key playmaker for Hetafe. He's now their key player getting the ball into the final third, even though Hetafe still mostly play the Hetafe way, which is uh, mostly long balls. But at least slowly, it seems that Alinea is becoming a key member of the team. Good runs into the box. So he's providing value. Kuvo, on the other hand, has been a more difficult integration into the team. Bordalas came in an interview recently, said that he's not that happy. Well, if he when they ask him what things Kuvo has to improve, uh, Bordalas sees a problem with his relative lack of physicality, and he thinks that that's the main thing Kuvo lacks to be really elite. And the other thing with Kuvo is that he's a good dribbler and a creative player, but he's lacking end product. And as we talked before, what Hitafe has been lacking recently is efficiency in the boxes, is end product. And that's the thing that Kuvo doesn't have. So for Bordalas, for the most part, it's better to just play... Angel Rodriguez or Cucho Hernandez, one of the strikers, instead of playing Kuvo. Because what he wants is end product at this point. And that's why Kuvo, well, he isn't playing much. So against Real Madrid, the big question will be, what will be, will Kuvo start, for example? Kuvo started last week against Cadiz, but then he was substituted early in the second half, and in Bordalas's opinion, in the press conference after the game, they played better after that. So, we'll see if he starts or not. Uh, because of also of the opponent, Bordalas might want a more defensive approach. So, I wouldn't be surprised if, instead of using Kuvo on the right wing, Bordalas decides to play a more defensive right winger, who in that case would be Alan Neom. Uh, while having Damian Suarez as the right back. Something tells me that that will be uh, what he will start with. Then, other than that, the other positions seem pretty clear. Goalie David Soria, uh, who's been doing quite well in the last two seasons. Uh, Sofian Chakla and Jene as the center backs. The left back, Matias Oliveira. Uh, and the right back, again, could be Damian Suarez, could be Alan Neom. The double pivot of that 4-2-3, expected 4-2-3-1. As usual, Maximovic and Arambarri, the eternal Bordalas double pivot. Cucurella on the left, Aleña in the center. And again, could be Neom, could be Kubo on the right wing. Jaime Mat and Jaime Mata finally as the striker. So that's kind of the 4-2-3-1 that I would expect against Real Madrid. Then, from the side of Real Madrid, well, we have, we have that problem of... Uh, all of the injuries, so Carvajal, Ramos, Mendy, Luca Vasquez, Hazard, Baran, and then the problem of Casemiro and Nacho being suspended. So the whole defensive line is out. The starting back four picks itself because there are no other options. It's Odrio Sola and Marcelo as the fullbacks, and Victor Chust and Militao as the center backs. Um, and then we don't know how Casemiro is going to be replaced. Uh, this time around, if we look at the squad that was called up, there are a lot of Castilla players missing. Like, I was a bit surprised that Antonio Blanco and Marvin Park were not called up. Probably because Castilla also has its own battles to play. They are, they all, they might even uh, be promoted. So maybe that's the reason why they didn't appear uh, in the match day squad. I'm not sure. 
if, if if only the players in the squad are in, then probably the midfield trio will, will be something like Modric, Kroos, and Isco. Uh, Valverde, we'll see if he plays or not. We saw his ankle uh, the night against Liverpool, so it's a bit concerning. Uh, him playing again, I'm a bit concerned about that. We will see what we will see what happens there. But I would almost expect Modric, Kroos, and one of Valverde or, or Isco for the midfield trio. Then Benzema and Vinicius likely start, and then we'll see if they are accompanied by Rodrigo or or Asensio. That's kind of what I would expect there. Then as far as matchups, it's kind of simple. So keep an eye uh, for. The se- our center backs for Militao and Chust in the air. Hitafe are a team that loves their long balls, loves their crosses into the box. It will be a game where Militao and Chust will have to face a lot of long balls and a lot of crosses into the box. Uh, other times, Casemiro would take would help take care of this. This time, Casemiro will not be there, so that is extra pressure on the center back. So Militao and Chus will have extra pressure this time around and it will be an important day for them to be dominant in the air and win those duels uh, against Hetafe attackers, those duels in the air. Then beware of Hetafe loading the box. Uh, Hetafe are a very aggressive team when it comes to loading the box. Uh, they like, you You will probably have Mata loading the box, Alenia loading the box, Cucurella loading the box. And, and, and especially... In this game, it's a bit concerning. There's no Casemiro. There's uh, Odrio Sol and Marcelo who can disconnect defensively. Uh, and that can end up in situations where the team is not defending the box well. So either Real Madrid might find themselves out, even outnumbering the box or just badly positioned to defend passes going into the box. So that's a dangerous thing that Hitafe could do. And finally, as far as how do you get the best of them? How you do you defeat Hetafe? They are kind of a vulnerable team through the center, and that's kind of good for Modric and Kroos. So uh, it'll be good. It'll be good to see if if they can keep doing the strategy that has kind of been working for Real Madrid lately, which is go for longer passes to Vinicius and exploit that higher defensive line of Hetafe. Uh, Benzema is a good fit to drag these centre-backs out of position, trick them, beat them in the box. So uh, if you cross into Benzema, Benzema should be able to catch a couple of them and turn those into shots and maybe goals. So those are the those are the key things to take into account for this game. It will be... T- the main reason this game will be tough is the fact that Real Madrid has no starting defenders. But if I'm honest, Getafe are one of the two worst offenses in La Liga. And if there's one game where you could be a bit unlucky and not have your starting defenders, it's this one. Hitafe are struggling a lot on the offense and hopefully uh, these uh, maybe these absences won't, uh, despite the absences, maybe Real Madrid won't suffer that much. But we will see. We'll have to hope for the best. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. So. Thanks, Kian, for having me again. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and see you around.